Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the BM cast. Not a podcast that wishes Watsy went back to sexualizing women in a card arc because the characters are bland looking and there's no focus on their curves, then claimed that women said that they actually wanted this too but have absolutely zero receipts for such a bold yet clearly false statement, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I am joined by the beloved beggar herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Been rather busy because we're in the middle of Innistrad Midnight Horn preview, so work's mm. been quite hectic. So with that, I haven't been able to play too much Magic. Um, however, mm. I have managed to grab everything for now for Modern Affinity, which is the uh, Neoform variant, um, which nice. uses Neoform to get Creative of Behemoth, because why not? Also for fun, because I like to add fun-offs to my modern decks, uh, mm. adding a one-off Bristleband as part of the Neoform package, because it's eight mana, and sometimes... You just need to go wider rather than taller with Crater mm-hmm. Behemoth, so you just you know draw seven, and you've yep. got um, Shadow Spear to offset it because it's got Life Link, and you've got Urza Saga to get it, and it just all mm-hmm. rolls off, and it's really really fun. I'd like to get a second Crater Hoof eventually, but because they're expensive, thanks to Commander yeah. Gristlebrand is my placeholder for now. But it's it's kind of a fun of I just like the idea of like near forming in Infinity and people going what Gristlebrand what. I'm <laughs> just yeah. like, uh, activate Bristle Brand, draw seven, resolve. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a fun, yeah. fun experience. It's, it's really fun to play. I've been playing a little bit of it here and there, and it is a little bit like old Affinity where you just get to unload your hand of yeah. artifact lands and zero mana you know, creatures. Also, a fun little card that I've realized that's quite good in Affinity is Magus of the Future, which is basically Future Sight, but a cr- the creature mm. version of Future Sight. Um, and you can near form into that with like a frog mite or something, and then you yeah. just get to spam more artifacts off the top of your deck. It's really, really fun. <laughs> with that, I've been on a bit of a kick in picking up modern decks again because uh, okay. things are safely up open, opening up. My LGS has been really, really good with like the whole COVID thing. They need mm. your mask, you have to be double vaccinated and all that stuff. So I feel quite safe going and playing a lot more modern. With that, I kind of want to build more decks. Um, so mm. next on the docket is Mono White Stoneblade, which was okay. inspired by my good friend and magic judge, Elliot Raff. So it's basically Mono White Blink. So it runs your Favorite Inspectors, runs your Ephemerates, runs your Solitudes, and the Stoneford Mystic Package. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got things like Ghost Quarters and Field of Ruins and Flagstone to Trochir, and you also run um, Squadron Hawk as well. So it's it's <laughs> kind of a Squadron Hawk 1-1 beatdown sort of deck as well. Um, it seems a blast to play and it's extremely up my street. If you have access to the show notes, my deck list is in the show notes if you want to have a look at it. But it's a very me kind of deck, so I'm quite excited to build it and play it. Mm. Otherwise, I've been getting back into my fitness for a bit after a long break. So I've been taking up badminton again um, to get into the swing of things, pun intended. And also, I've been testing a load of batches of jam in preparation for my Christmas, like hampers as, as part of like gift giving. So I've been making a load of jam. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, yeah, I've been all right. Are you getting back into the fitness to offset the jam testing? Is that is that how this yes. is going? Yes, yes, really. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing all right myself. Uh, I've been playing a bit more Final Fantasy fourteen, which has been taking quite a bit of my spare time. It is just enjoyable, to be honest. Like, there's no pressure to be good. You don't have to feel... You don't feel like you have to play constantly. I feel like I could just pick it up when I want and just chill with it for a bit. Um, And once you're used to it, even the more stressful dungeons and bosses actually become pretty fun, which is fairly rare in a game. Mm. Uh, In terms of magic, I rebuilt Tatiova Benthic Druid for Commander. So, last week I was talking about Patron of the Moon. 
and that morphed into an Euro deck, and that went into a four color on that deck, and then I thought it was getting over complicated, and I stripped it back to the Patron of the Moon again, and then I just settled on like I just do want a couple of like green landfall payoffs and stuff in my deck, so I settled on Tatiova. It's it's fine. I'm trying to make her more interesting than the usual dirty nonsense that's associated with her though, because she's known for taking forever to close out a game, even if she has it locked up. So as yeah. a former Tatiova player, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. My article this week, though, is another commander opinion piece, and it's all about winning. And more specifically, it's about how to derive joy from games even when you lose. So it's technically the opposite of winning. Uh, (laughs) That's live now over on Card Kingdom. You can pop over and read that after the show. And a little food update. I've been getting back into using my air fryer lately. I know a lot of people look at air fryers and they're like, that's a fad, that's a gimmick, you know. Mm." If this was like, you know, a mini chopper or a, I don't know, automatic apple peeler or something, I'd be like, yeah, sure, you know. But it's basically just a tiny oven that's way faster. It's brilliant. I made chicken wings in it the other night, and I swear to God, they were just like actual deep fried ones. It's just... They're they're real good. They're real good. I coated them in a sticky gochujang sauce, and it was just sweet and salty and spicy and oh so good so so good you know what i'm gonna cut the food chat here because i'm gonna (laughs) want lunch before we even get the ad so maybe we should do a bonus episode called the air fryer episode where we talk about all the things we can do (laughs) in in an air fryer that's not a terrible idea Mm. patrons people on twitter anybody that's (laughs) listening on spotify please let us know if that's something you want (laughs) but before we move on emma have we got any housekeeping Yes, we do have housekeeping. We have a new member of the Cheering Fanatic tier on our Patreon, Matthew O'Neill. So thank you very much, Matthew, for your support. And thank you for all the continued support from everyone who supports the BMCast on Patreon. And you can check it over at patreon.com slash the BMCast. Nice. If you enjoy the BMCast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. So before we jump into the main section of the episode this week, Emma, I believe it's your turn. Have you got a card of the week for us? I do, and it's not a surprising one considering I kind of mentioned it in the intro, and that's Neoform. Um, so for <laughs> 67 cents, which is quite cheap, like I thought it would mm. be more than that because it's like, like an uncommon from War of the Spark. I just, yeah, for sure. Given the potential, I thought it was more. So this is inspired from me playing uh, Neoform Modern Affinity for a bit, and I just think the card's really good. Um, it just enables you to grab toolbox cards from your deck in, like, in Commander or even in Modern. Like It's fine as a one-off in Commander if you want to get rid of a two-drop, get your Eternal Witness, bring Neoform back to your hand, use that to get a four-drop with the Eternal Witness, yada yada. The plus one, plus one counter does come up, cause especially with stuff like Doubling Season, you can double that and it can get, in, get aggressive, you can get mm. in the red zone. As I said, it gets more effective with stuff like Eternal Witness and Regrowth, you can buy it back and do it all again. And it only becomes better the more creatures are printed in Magic, which there will be, because mm. we kind of need creatures to finish the game. So anything with like big ETBs and stuff like that is just really good. Um, I think it's fine in Commander if you're in the right colours for it. Yeah. You don't need like a dedicated quote-unquote pod chain to pop it off, but if you mm. just go up one and like able to rebuy it, I still think it's quite good. Yep, yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so we're going to do a new little section here, and it's going to be the week's roundup. So there's quite a lot that happens both on and off Twitter in Magic in general, and the Magic community, the Magic world, new announcements, formats, all sorts of stuff that we may not necessarily be able to dedicate an entire episode to. So rather than skip over them entirely, um, we figured we would dump them all into the week's roundup. So the one that we have this week, this is the first one. And it is to do with Pauper, because Pauper made the history books this week. This week's Pauper preliminary was a first. Uh, a player went 4-0 and with a deck that was full of basic lands. 60 basic lands was the entire deck, no sideboard. Essentially what happened was there was a preliminary that wasn't going to fire, because at the moment the format is not great. What happened was a bunch of people from a Discord server signed up with all basics to protest the state of the format. So... As the results were auto-posted, it's all set up automatically to post. So, Watsi officially printed the results online for the world to see, with MTGO user Azax getting first place with 20 planes, 20 forests, and 20 mountains. There was even one legitimate affinity player actually in the event, uh, but they conceded to them in the finals in solidarity. So, Good on yeah. Them. Yeah, 100%. This, like I said, was a protest to the state of the format. It's been neglected for months. People have been calling for bans since the release of Modern Horizons 2. Actually, since before the release of Modern Horizons 2, because everyone was like, look at those storm cards. We know this is going to be a problem. Funny enough, within a few hours of this posting uh, going live, Watsi announced that there will be a B&R announcement for Pauper only uh, this week. Yeah. So it may have actually happened since of recording. So Yeah, because you might know what it is when this drops. Because it was, I believe it was Aaron Forsyth that mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they made a comment how Lotus Petals should probably not be a common and should probably not be in the format. So maybe that alludes to something, I don't know. But something needs to happen, you know. Yeah. We, we're, we're both big fans of Pauper and this is not how it should be. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, this is, however, a sign that they don't really do much unless they feel pressured to do so. It's um, kind of bad, right, when you have yeah. some people declaring 60 basic lands in solidarity to solve a format. Like, it gets, this is the point where they have to react because people are just going to, you know, abuse it, essentially. Um, maybe maybe this is what Legacy needs because there's a lot of talk in Legacy that days needs to be banned. Do people need to play 60 lands in their Legacy decks for the same premise? Will they get the same results? Like... Mm. Is this how things happen from now on, you know? it's It doesn't look good. Yeah. I think one of the issues with Pauper is that there aren't a whole lot of people prioritizing it at all yeah. in Wizards. And that's understandable. It's not a particularly lucrative format. It doesn't make Watsi any money. You know, the, the player base can sometimes be questionable at best. But... The thing is, if no one's paying a lot of attention to it, when you go to look at the format itself, it can be really hard to figure out what to actually do. Because currently, the top three decks are Storm, Affinity, and Delver. And that seems reasonable, because they're all different strategies, but no other deck can come even remotely close to competing with them. So, you know, the previous mainstays of the format, like Tron, Burn, Monarch, or anything like that, they just don't exist. It was so, forever ago when we were complaining about Tron and when Expedition yeah. Map got banned and it, we knew it weren't going to do anything because crop rotation exists. And we're like, oh, Tron always seems to do well when, you know, bans happen and cards change, but yeah. Tron's not here and it's kind of weird not to talk about it, you know? Yeah, and my problem here now is that even if they do choose the right things to ban here, which I 
I'm not 100% certain they will. The best case scenario is that we go back to the format that it was, which was a load of Tron and everything everywhere. So we're still dealing with the problems that haven't been solved, even if we solve this one. So, yeah, not great. Not great. But there you go, everybody. If you haven't heard about the Popper Preliminary this week, that is uh, the first time in history where people have actually stood up to Watsi and protested the state of the format by ruining an event. So... Uh, Can't make it up. Yeah, good good on you for doing it. Just hope it doesn't have to happen again. Yeah, let's be real though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said hope. Yeah, yeah. Hope is a funny thing. But one thing that I am hopeful for is Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Because it's coming out very soon. And it's looking pretty good, I gotta say. It's looking cool. Um, I admit I'm not the biggest Innistrad fan. Mm. I've missed... I, Original Innistrad was before my time. Shadows of Innistrad seemed really good. Eldritch Moon, I played that standard. That seemed quite fun. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the flavour of the plane, it doesn't really grab me because I'm not really into like to the horror stuff. But a lot of the individual cards that are coming out seem really good, though. So I'm quite excited to play the format because standard rotation is kicking in. So Yeah. Right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through some of the previews that have happened over the past week. Now, we're recording this on Sunday, so... You know, by the time you're listening to this on Thursday, it will be a little bit later and there will be some more cards out. So if we don't cover some of your favorite cards that have been released since Sunday, don't worry, we'll probably cover them next week. So check back then. So first up, Emma, we have a new cycle of lands. We do. I quite like this land cycle. I noticed in the show notes you put slow lands. I like to call them last lands, just as a reference to fast lands. And I like to think I'm being clever, but not also clever at the same time. <laughs> okay. Um, so these new cycle lands, they are ally pairings, which follows mm-hmm. on from the um, from Shadows of Innistrad, which we had yeah. before. Um, and these are just dual color lands that come in untapped if you control two or more lands. Noted, it doesn't talk about basic land types, which is relevant. It's not the reverse tango lands that we had in Battle for Zendikar. These are a completely yeah. different cycle, uh, completely new. And yeah, these seem really good. Like. It seems like these will be really affordable because they'll be in standard. Um, it allows you, it allows like control decks and mid-range decks to have you know dual-colored options at an affordable mm-hmm. rate. And um, also these go quite well with pathway lands as well because the pathway lands come in yeah. untapped, and then on turn three you can play one of these and you just have three untapped sources, colors of your choice because obviously you can flip the pathway lands. Yeah, I'm a big fan of these to be honest. It does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's frustrating that we're seeing new cycles and not completed cycles of old stuff. I, get, I think that's a bugbear for me because with Pioneer in mind, you want complete land bases. So I would, I think I would have liked to see the complete Tango Land sort of Battle for Zendikar cycle perhaps just to make everything symmetrical so people can make more decks and, you know, there isn't these drawbacks for like mana bases and stuff. But otherwise, these seem really cool. I like the idea of them. I love that they don't have yeah. basic land typing. I think that's a big takeaway here. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So the first non-land card that we're going to talk about today is Puppet Stitcher, which is a fantastic name, let me just say. Uh, Puppet Stitcher is two and a blue for a 2-3 human wizard that reads, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, surprise, surprise, this is the one I'm talking about, create (laughs) a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed. So decayed means it can't block, and when it attacks, sacrifice it at end of combat. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more creature tokens, you may transform Poppet Stitcher. Poppet Stitcher transforms into Poppet Factory. Poppet Factory says creature tokens you control lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 3-3. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform Poppet Factory. So, 
essentially, on the front half, you make a bunch of tokens whenever you cast spells. And then this flips back over into making those 2-2 two, two zombies with decayed into 3-3s three, without decayed, which is quite nice. It could probably show up roughly about the same amount as, say, Monastery Mentor or Sedgemore Witch does in Modern, which is not a whole lot, but the fact that it's in blue is quite relevant. So, yeah, I could see it showing up maybe here and there. It's a cool card. I like the design of it. It's cool to see mm. blue cards get more token generation. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, as you well know. Yeah, yeah. blue's <laughs> less, you know, counter-draw or, you know, the, like the slow sort of play. So you can just overwhelm people with tokens. Like, it's just a nice mm. route for it to go down. I quite for like sure. it. So next up we have Tovalar, Dire Overlord. For one generic red and a green, you get a legendary creature, Human Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 3-3. Three, three, and it is a double-flipped card. So the first side is, whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night. Then you transfer any number of Human Werewolves you control. And it also has Daybound. And on the flip side, the night side, is Tovalar, the Midnight Scourge. Uh, it turns into a werewolf, and it is a 4-4. Four, four. And whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card, the same as the other side. And the um, activated ability is uh, X generic red and green. Target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus X plus O and gains trample at the end of turn, and it has Nightbound. Mm. Um, so this is a great new werewolf commander that people have been crying for because mm-hmm. Auric is not great from Shadows of Innistrad just was not yeah. cutting the mustard it has a curiosity effect for the board which is strong which is great in like red green because you just want to keep drawing yeah. into action and expanding your board right and also that last ability on the flip side is like a built in Kessig Wolf run and you run Kessig mm-hmm. Wolf run in these decks anyway so you just got like, two copies of it which is great this is just like the default werewolf commander from now on right Yeah, I just don't don't think you play anything else unless you rule zero like the new Arlen because Arlen seems pretty cool but this mm. is just like the default like if you want to be red green this is all you play seems sweet yeah I think so yeah yeah uh, I don't have a whole lot to add to it because it's like I said before it's like my least favorite color pairing but I mean if you tack whenever something deals combat damage draw a card onto anything I'm gonna pay attention yeah <laughs> next up we have got Gisa Glorious Resurrector. So Gisa is two black black for a 4-4 legendary creature human wizard. She is back. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. And at the beginning of your upkeep, put all creature cards exiled with Gisa Glorious Resurrector onto the battlefield under your control and they gain decayed. So again, they can't block, but when they attack, sacrifice it at the end of combat. So this is super powerful it essentially has a similar kind of line of text as Kalitas Trader of Get which has shown up quite a bit in Standard when it was around and has shown up in Pioneer really 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 strong it's a super powerful commander however I will say that it will basically build itself and will probably end up being an awful play experience like Turgorid is Mm. where you basically just put in all the you know flashback marauder kind of effects and that kind of thing and then you just get ridiculous value and then everybody's miserable and, and then you, you put know. target in your 99 as well and it's just not fun for anyone yeah yeah now i don't i don't think she's anywhere near as bad as Turgrid because yeah. god Turgrid's awful yeah but i do think that Gisa will be pretty good in the 99 because if it's a case of i'm gonna put her out if you don't deal with her now i'm gonna start running away with the game however if you kill her then and there you're like oh well 
anyway, moving on, you know, yeah. and then the game becomes just a normal game. So I think that would be fine. Uh, I'm trying to justify my inclusion into Sir Conrad for this one. That's essentially yeah. what I'm doing right now, you know, so yeah, I think it would be good. Yeah, I, I will say on a side note, the art for this card is incredible. Yeah, the it's, the lighting is so good. It's it's my favorite art I've seen so far in Innistrad, and it's just like it encapsulates what Gisa does really well. And you've got the zombies, and she's got the basket full of hands. It's just it's just great. Mm. Like I believe there's a high res version on Twitter knocking about. Like find it if you can because it looks so yeah. good. Yeah, I would say it's probably my second favorite art so far, but we'll get to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is my favorite for now, but obviously we haven't okay. seen the complete set yet. Um, so next up we have Rite of Harmony. So for one green and one white, you get an instant. Whenever a creature enchantment enters the battlefield under you control this turn, you draw a card. And it has flashback for two generic, a green and a white. Um, mm -hmm. So this is a more overly costed version of Glimpse in Nature, um, mm -hmm. which obviously is banned in Modern. It's good with flashback. It could have a lot of potential in Modern. You could mm -hmm. see it in Elves, like Modern Elves, because yeah. Modern Elves before went in green-white. You had these Horizon Canopies and you run the Vizier combo and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It might be a really good way just to draw some cards and replace into more threats it feels like one of those cards that it doesn't have a home quite yet but it feels like it could do soon the more cards come available like it feels like it needs an enabler to really pop off so That's i feel good. like this is one you should really keep an eye out on also it seems fine in commander as well and like in the enchantress builds yeah, because absolutely. you just you draw more cards along with your enchantress and yeah. it just you just go off sort of thing. Um, yeah, it seems really good. I just don't know where it lands at the moment, but it's just that sort of powerful but not quite home yet. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The art's cool on this too. You know what, the art's great on all of them. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, except this next one. This next one, uh, well, no, the art's <laughs> actually still really good here as well. I can't, I can't diss the art. The next card I'm talking about is Faithful Mending, which is white and a blue for an instant that reads, you gain two life, draw two cards, then discard two cards. And it has flashback for one, a white and a blue. So, you know, this is like asking your mom, can we have Faithless Looting? And she says, we have Faithless Looting at home. This is Faithless Looting at home. The instant speed is nice. I will admit, but not many white decks in constructive formats particularly need this kind of effect. Like, I know there's like Esper Reanimator and that kind of thing is a bit of a deck in modern yeah, and that sort of I think stuff. Yeah, that but... might make a resurgence a little bit with this, but I'm not yeah. sure. Like, it just seems like we're getting a lot of like rummage effects in white now because you had Fridding Discovery, which is just gain life and then rummage, and now you've got this. It's like, oh, is white going into like, it's just, it's just a weird trend we're seeing. I don't know. I think I think the part that you're supposed to see here that's white is the gain two life part and basically yeah. nothing else. Because if this said draw two cards, discard two cards, and it was one blue, that would make sense. Yeah. It'd be strong, but it would make sense. You yeah. know, so I think they're still just doing a little bit of that, uh, let's tack on a bit of life gain and we could put it in white, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying that that's all they're doing for white, they're definitely doing way more than that, but yeah, that's what they're doing here, I think. You can, you can cast it with red mana, just not for red mana. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Sagada, <laughs> Champion of Light. This card looks really sweet. This is one I'm quite excited yeah. for. So for one generic, one green, and two white, you get a legendary creature, Angel. That is a 4-4. Four -four. Sagada mm -hmm. has Flying and Trample, and it reads, Humans you control get plus one, plus one, uh, and it has Coven, so whenever Sagada attacks, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, look at the top five cards of your library, you may, you may reveal a human creature card 
from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library uh, in a random order. It's just seemed it's like the new default humans commander, right? It's just, you know, yeah. uh, pump effects in the command zone. It's really powerful. The fact that you can just keep sifting through finding more humans seems really great. Five cards is quite a lot to go through. Mm. Coven mechanic is like it's the new mechanic for for Innistrad Midnight Horn. It's interesting, but I think it's balanced enough, and it's still powerful, but it's not too busted. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how people build their decks with the different powers and toughness in, in mind to get the most mm. out of the Coven ability. As per tradition with Sagara, she's a really good Voltron commander. You can easily just suit her up and just turn sideways because she's got flying and trample built in. A lot of the issues with um, these kind of Voltron decks is finding the trample. because uh, You'd have to play stuff like Rancor just to just because it says trample on it. And the fact that Sagada has this built in means you can just run a couple of more powerful sort of equipment and uh, auras instead. Yeah. But no, this one seems really sweet. I'm kind of hyped for this one in standard. I kind of want to build like a green white humans deck coven humans deck and stand okay. up with this at the charge just because four mana for a four four flying with trample just seems a really good rate yeah yeah that's that's my thoughts anyway yeah next up now this is what i was saying when i said the best art in the set ah yes right yes so if you haven't seen this card obviously i can't show you on this podcast but go and check it out online go to scryfall check out the spoilers there croaking counterpart so it's one a green and a blue for a sorcery that reads, create a token that's a copy of target non-frog creature, except it's a 1-1 green frog. And it has flashback for three, a green and a blue. So this is Crackling Counterpart, except with significantly better art. And it's also in green. So, you know, I know art's subjective, right? Crackling Counterpart art is still cool. But like, you got to see this. This is This is some next level art. Yeah, the art was really good. Also points to the pun in the title as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> to be honest, though, it's actually really, really good. And it should see quite a bit of playing Commander because Crackling Counterpart sees a lot of playing Commander anyway. Mm. This is basically just another copy of it, really. Except you can't copy frogs. So no, no get rug playing around. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> So, yeah, so they are some of the previews that we have seen so far. They're the ones that we're kind of most excited about. We will have more on next week, and we will be chatting more about them then. Until then, that is it for that section. To wrap it up, I think we have a bit of a hefty Q&A section this week, Emma. We do have a heavy Q&A. Everyone's been really excited about Innistrad and want to get our (laughs) thoughts. Um, So we'll kick off with Evie the Mage, uh, 97, who tweeted in to say... Seeing at 48 cents, its last-ditch effort is a card that punches through a lot of damage in Commander and offers an instant-speed sack outlet that will swing gains every time. Uh, If you don't know what last-ditch effort does, uh, I had to read this card when they sent it in because I've never seen it before in my life. Uh, So last-ditch effort is from Urza's Legacy, so for one red mana you get an instant. Sacrifice any number of creatures, last-ditch effort deals that much damage to any target. So it's a really good way just to have a last ditch effort like if there's a board white coming you can just throw them at people instead and if you're in like a sacrifice deck you just have ways to bring that back anyway so that seems quite good yep. and uh evie the mage also has a second question uh as of right now in the spoiler season are there any new innistrad cards feeling modern playable to you my answer is consider yeah considers absolutely the top one yeah <laughs> 100%. Consider, took, the, like, took the words out of my mouth before I had the yeah. chance. Um, <laughs> Champion of the Parish, potentially, depending if there's any more zombies coming. Mm. Um, I would love to see, like, because, like, tribal zombies with, like, Aether Varv has kind of been a thing, but it's not quite... Yeah, 
It's just kind of like, sat around being like, tea on the edges. Me? Every like six months or something. Like, yeah. A five over league and I'm going to disappear again. Um, yeah. But Champion of the Parish just might be a really cool enabler for that. But it kind of depends on what other zombies we get. Like, if we get like a Farley's lieutenant that's a zombie, that would mm-hmm. make it really interesting, for example. So, then yeah. um, W uh, on the BMCast Discord asks I was looking through a box of Modern Horizons T Chaff and wondering about any favourite cards that you all have. Ones that aren't really on any radars yet. There seems to be some pretty cool cards that aren't fetches or, you know, Ragavan. People aren't really caring about like, a lot of the commons and uncommons. They just focus on like, the mythics and rares. Is there any overlooked gems for you in Modern Horizons 2? Mine is Unholy Heat. You should be keeping a set of those. Because that card's great. It is fantastic. It is absolutely incredible. I would probably argue that I don't think no one cares about it anymore. I think no, everyone no, has I mean, gone, no, yeah. oh, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> this kills Planeswalkers too, and yeah. Chunky Goifs. For me, I would probably say Abundant Harvest, because yeah. people were hyped about it at first. Then people tried it in like one or two decks and went, oh, this isn't the absolute busted card that I thought it was, and then just ignored it. Yeah. And I think it is still just really good. Like, it definitely has the right homes available. I, I think people just are kind of not really paying a lot of attention to it i think what doesn't help at the moment is that it's probably it's really good in the likes of titan but titan isn't super popular right now so i, th- I think that's kind of what's what's happening there so that would be my call for yeah. underrated card i'd say yeah yeah uh the joe cheney has a bunch of questions so we'll Ooh. rattle these off pretty quickly uh so the first one is what are your opinions on the deluge of art styles we've been enjoying in recent steps of these you know the different kind of frames we're getting. So, like, mm-hmm. the showcase frames, the extended frames, the borderless frames, the other frames that have escaped me. <laughs> Insert <laughs> other myriad of frames here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, there's, there's loads of them. There's loads of them. Yeah, I, I think they're fantastic. Yeah. I really do. I, I see no downside. It's good for the game because there's just more copies of it. That's the way I see it. Um, and of these special art styles, do you have a favourite? Um... Well, I'm glad that you you didn't ask me to pick a favorite card because that would be I'd be here for hours trying to it's think. Favorite frame. Um, favorite frame. I quite like probably the new ones from Innistrad. Um, they look pretty cool. The Equinox frames, I believe they're called. Um, yeah, well, more more specifically the 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 black white sort of sketchy kind of ones. Oh, the Eternal Night Legends ones. Yeah, yeah, called. they look really really good. There's a land cycle, like the basics of those as well as well, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, speaking of the Equinox ones, though, I get some real Darkest Dungeon vibes off them. So I would probably put them reasonably high. The yeah. Island Core gave me, like, Bloodborne Kingdom Death vibes, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's just that sort of horror sort of genre thing. Mm-hmm. And I think my favourite one just has to be Throne of Eldraine, the storybook frames, because I think they just look they're really cool. They're beautiful as well. Yeah. It's just because yeah. they're adventures, you have the book bit, and you've got the nice curls around the frame. It's just very elegant. And I believe that was the first set to do it as well, but I just remember that having a good impression on me. Mm. Um, then Joe asks, which type of pairing of MDFCs do you think were the most successful? I know you're quite big on MDFCs. Yeah, when it comes to like the like which which pairing, I think land on the back is definitely the best by far. Okay. Um, that does not mean that the other ones are not good. It's just that the ones with the lands on the back are so good. But specifically, I would say like the ones with instants and sorceries on them. So like the Balaged Recovery. One card that I've been putting into any deck running blue in Commander now is Bayine Veil because it's such a free include and it's kind of a fog against a lot of decks. I, and I'm yeah, quite a big fan really of Malakir Rebirth myself. Yep. 
huge one. I use that in every deck. And back obviously, as well. you've got um, the name escapes me, but it's the lava dart that has a land on the back. Spike field hazard. That's the one. That one's also mm-hmm. quite good. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, they ask, uh, with Kamigawa and a return to Dominaria on the schedule for next year, what mm-hmm. other plans are you hoping for? You know, to go back next year in the future. I've never been to Phyrexia, and I want to check that out. I feel like that's soon. Yeah. Because you've got um, Voronklex, or you had Voronklex mm-hmm. on uh, Kaldheim. And there's a rumour that uh, Jinkataxis is on Kamigawa as well, so I, I think that they're, they're building up to something. Okay. Uh, for me, I'd love to go back to Lorwyn, because I love the yeah. idea of Lorwyn, and it seems like a very tribal-focused set. And like even as like a Lorwyn remastered, I'd take that, not even like a, like a true return. Mm-hmm. Just to experience that set in like a draft format would be really cool for me, I think. Yeah. I would really like to see Lorwyn updated with the art from yes. artists now, I think would look sweet. Um, then we have a question from resident guest Angelo the Jeskai Charmer on the BMcast Discord. They asked Who? Angelo? <laughs> Angel? Angelo? Angelo? Okay. Didn't he, like, EDH rec or something? Is that, new to, is that familiar to you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, they ask, they have a question <laughs> either way. Have we got any favourite cards from Midnight Hunt yet? Yes. Consider. Yeah. Consider because it's as close to being a broken cantrip in modern, and I'm saying that specifically just to spite him. <laughs> Get wrecked, Angelo. You're not on here to argue with me. <laughs> Unban looting! <laughs> um, I quite like Sagada. I think that's my favourite card mm-hmm. I've seen so far. And I quite like uh, Geyser as well. Mm-hmm. I think they're my two at the moment, but... Obviously, you know, we've got more previews coming. That will probably change at some point. And then we have a bunch of questions from Kilgore Trout 503 on the BMCast Discord. Nice. Uh, they ask, first off, from a budget magic perspective, could Secret Lairs be a force for good? So, unless it's helping people to realise that they don't need them, then I don't think so. I understand I... where they're coming from, like, mm. in terms of reprints. I get that. That's cool. But... It's not really a reprint if it's a limited run. Yeah, it's um, not enough to influence the price, I don't think. And some of them are foil and some of them aren't foil. The fact that you don't get a choice of either always just really annoys me because, like, you're not—I know yeah. you're not keen on foils, and like the the foil quality has been horrific recently. I don't want to buy a pack mm. of Pringles, you know. So yeah, like, I can't support Secret Lairs, unfortunately. Yeah. I just don't think they're good. I think it's just a cash grab. This is a good one. Uh, mm. What is, what are your favourite non-magic podcasts? Oh, okay. I've got this a few. This is a good one. I've got a few. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? If you, if you want to start, go right ahead. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so I am big into history. So I listen to a lot of history podcasts. So uh, the top one being, as I, I think Scott listens to it as well, it's half Hearts History, which is uh, a po- podcast done by former magic commentator and CFB know-it-all, Riley Knight. Mm-hmm. It's a really good condensed way to understand history it's very short like 30 to 40 minute episodes and often Riley will touch on stuff that's happening at the time so mm-hmm. for example we had the Olympics recently so he did an episode on the history of the uh, Olympics you know how it came to be what yeah. sort of events that happened and it, it kind of t- it hits up nail on the head a bit um, mm-hmm. I've got some other history podcasts so there's one called Behind the Bastards which is one I quite enjoy as well that's a more journalistic 
approach to like former world leaders and mm. important people in modern history for example they're the two that come to mind also lastly retronauts which is a very very good retro uh video game podcast that i've enjoyed and it's been going Jeez. for like 10 years as i found out recently it's been it's really really good and um, what about you nice um yeah well half hours history was one of mine um i listened to dungeons and daddies which is a DD podcast that's been going for a while the brother of Jimmy Wong, Freddie Wong, is one of the members of it. It's really, really well produced. If anyone ever watched Video Game High School, it's basically the cast of that. It's very funny. It's very sharp, witty, on the nose, incredibly well produced. Freddie Wong is exceptionally good at editing. And yeah, it's one of the most entertaining things. I look forward to it every fortnight. Outside of that, Abroad in Japan podcast. I'm big into Japan in a lot of ways. I watch anime, but I'm not a filthy weeb, like, if that makes sense, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't call myself a weeb, I just watch some anime, um, but I'm huge into the the culture, their concept of religion as more a set of, like, sort of superstitions and tradition and that kind of thing, as opposed to being some sort of, like, organized thing. The food, the, the approach to life and treating people as you want to be treated, that kind of thing. All that sorts of stuff. Abroad in Japan is just kind of like a light-hearted look at things that are happening in and around Japan. It's hosted by Chris Broad, who does Abroad in Japan on YouTube, um, which is a, another thing I watch quite a bit. Outside of that, I kind of jump between a couple of like different serial things. Like there was one, I think I, I recommended it to you actually. Is it the Winds one, of Change? Winds of Change, yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so it's it's a podcast based on this uh, conspiracy theory that the CIA actually wrote the song Winds of Change for uh, Scorpion. And I just highly recommend listening to it. I'm not going to so spoil well or describe anymore. Just just go and listen. It's so well produced. The production level is insane. Oh, it's so good. So yeah. good. But yeah, I, I'd say they're, they're probably the, the top ones yeah, I would call to, ones. yeah. Um, and then lastly from Kilgore Trout, they ask, if you had to pick an IP for Magic to partner with for a modern legal set, what would it be? Dark Souls. Easy. Souls uh, that's, that's Let's go. That could be my answer. God damn it. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> what, where were you expecting? <laughs> uh, I think mine would be Dark Souls. Um, we can't have Warhammer because obviously Warhammer's been into Commander decks. Um, Simpsons would not hit the nail on the head for modern, I don't think. <laughs> Um, Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to suit up Ralph? I mean, I would take a Simpsons crossover, but I don't want. I don't think. I think modern's a bit too much. I'd like. I have it as like Commander decks or like a secret lair drop. Mm-hmm. I think that's the sort of level you want. Like with Fortnite, for example. I don't think you want. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of Ralph Wiggum being a slippery bogle and a one-one with hexproof, and mm-hmm. I just suit it up and attack people. Like that sounds great. I just like. I'm a minority that wants that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the thing. Jeez, this is hard. Um, Final Fantasy. Oh, God, yeah, easy. Actually, yeah, I might want that. I know that's a card game already, or used to be, but Final Fantasy. Irrelevant. More cards, please. More cards with Final Fantasy characters on them, please. I want to kill people with a buster sword. Oh, I want to... Oh, I'm just just (laughs) thinking more about this, right? But, like, you you could have the spells in Final Fantasy be actual spells in magic. And you can have companions that are your summons. Yeah, like you can have you can have lava dart as a thunder spell. Yeah. Or you know, lightning strike is like, or shock is like thundara. Thundaga is lightning bolt. See, look, yeah. that's brilliant. It builds itself. Done it. Let's go. Let's Hire go. us, what's he? 
Um, I'm going to move on before we lose ourselves yes. down this hole because it's going to happen. Um, uh, we've got a question from Tom Telford on Twitter. Um, they ask, long time listener, first time caller, if you could do anything to fix a pauper format, what would it be? Okay, so... Not register 60 lands is not what I'd do. Yeah, well, no, I mean, that's that's what I, I would recommend doing for Watsy to fix it. Um, but outside of that, yeah, so I haven't been playing pauper in a while, but surprise surprise it hasn't really changed a whole lot in the last while mm. so i would say in order to shut down the storm deck you have to get rid of both chatterstorm and galvanic relay galvanic relay was completely slept on until people realized it was far and away the best way to build the deck and you could still 100 percent build a crazy combo deck with galvanic relay still in it if you wanted to so chatterstorm galvanic relay now the problem is affinity people are talking about getting rid of the lands to be honest, I think it's a good idea to keep the indestructible artifact lands in there because artifact hate on opponent's lands as a way to deal with them is terrible. Gorilla Shaman was a terrible cyborg card. It was a terrible plan because if you didn't have it early and they just got out a bunch of 4-4s, four you can't blow them up with Gorilla Shaman. It's just terrible. Yeah. So don't focus on that. Like, if you leave the indestructible lands in, people will actually be incentivized to think of better ways to deal with affinity. I do they think you should get rid of Atog. I think th this is ultimately where I'm going because the other thing that people complained about was Sojourner's Companion and that's just copies 5 to 8 of Mirror Enforcer and banning 4 copies of something but not the other 4 copies seems absolutely asinine. The other side which is Atog because if you get rid of Atog you remove that out of nowhere combo kill and you just leave it with a very good strong aggro deck that can be beaten with removal. So yes I think it is Atog. When it comes to Delver I think I don't think Delver is all that busted it's just a case of it happens to be that kind of deck that can just rise up and keep things in check. Yeah. So I think that's totally fine where it is. So yeah, for yeah. me, it would be removing Atog, removing Chatterstorm, removing Galvanic Relay, and then probably Urza's Terror as well, just to make sure. Because remember, <laughs> even if we fix these problems, we still go back to the previous problems. They I'm will trying. just resurface. So yeah. just hit, bite the bullet, hit the nail on the head, just get them all done. You need like a huge ban like we saw in Standard last year where you just Enormous. get rid of, yeah. you just cannibalize the format and start again. And I think that's what Pulper needs. You need to ban like five cards, I think. Whether Score that starts. happens, yeah. who knows. Um, Probably not. Um, and then lastly, a question from Bo Schwartz on the Discord. They ask, would you rather be a werewolf or a vampire? Vampire? Have you seen how hot they are? I'd be a werewolf, mate. Be, be with all the good boys. I think our our separate definitions of, of good boys are different. Fair. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney. Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, and Matthew O'Neill. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, and Mickey Paris. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. 
or message us on Twitter at the BNCast. And we'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.